weekend is coming and it's time for a bath We're going to some bodies and we'll have a good laugh Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Get It Waxed, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the characters and players at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Painters Supply Limited. Painters Supply Limited are your one-stop shop for all things painting and decorating. They are an independent business specialising in painting and decorating products for trade workers and the general public, based at Broken Cross in Macclesfield. Products include Crown Trade, McPherson, Dulux Trade, Little Green Paints and Paint Library, Bradite, Sickins, Polyvine, Rustins, Sadolin, as well as a comprehensive wallpaper pattern book library and Calor bottled gas. They also mix all of their paint colours, so please call in for some colour cards or advice. With over 30 years' experience, they're sure to find what you're looking for. Feel free to call in for advice on your next project or visit www.paintersupply.co.uk. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guests. These two gentlemen both graduated through the Macclesfield Academy and have gone on to represent the club in all five senior sides, together with captaining on various occasions. Best of mates, on and off the field, they have the unenviable distinction of being Macclesfield Cricket Club's premier bromance. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Adam Longshaw and Mr Chris Flint. Longers, firstly, how are you? Hey, good, Miles. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you very much for asking me. Looking forward to uh, hearing your delicious dulcet tones and avoiding some monotone longers, as you keep telling me. No, mate, missing monotone for a reason. We all know that. And uh, Flinty, moving on to you. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little while. How are you? Hi, Miles. It's good to be back. I'm very well. I'm glad uh, glad the season's nearly upon us anyway. Yeah, I bet you can't wait to uh, spend as much time with me as is humanly possible. No, no, mate. The uh, Saturday 4th seems for me now. <laughs> well, as uh, it's been mooted on, uh, you know, various uh, podcasts and whatever, you know, you are the uh, the owner of a brother who is arguably better than you, and, and I suppose Longshore, technically, you are as well. I mean, Josh is a fine cricketer in his day, so maybe that's what you bonded over, having, uh, you know, being inferior brothers on the cricket pitch. Is that fair, Longers? I think that's pretty fair to be honest, Miles. I've, I've got to say, Josh probably hasn't shown me up as many times as Rich has shown Chris up, but yeah, his stats are probably better than mine, actually. Well, I don't want to say anything that would uh, get us in too much trouble here, but I do remember Josh Longshaw scoring a 60-odd not so long ago, but um, maybe I'm wrong. That was definitely uh, Adam Longshaw in the cup. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Josh, Adam, these things happen. I mean... It's a, it's a slip on play cricket, isn't it? I think Josh Longshaw scored quite a few decent scores in the past few years, so uh, I think he'll be pretty happy with that when his average comes out in a few years' time. Uh, absolutely. And uh, all, all joking aside, Flinty, is, is there going to be any sort of healthy competition between uh, Mini Flint and, uh, and Flint Dog? I mean, healthy competition is probably the wrong word. I'm going to score more runs than him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is he going to bowl more overs than you? 100%. Well, good to start off the podcast with a little bit of uh, banter, should we call it that? I don't know, barbs, who knows. But, um, you know, taking it back to a slightly more serious question now, long as firstly to you, how's the sort of COVID year been? Not too bad, to be honest. Everything at work's been a little bit different, but 
I'd like to say a little bit easier actually. I've gone from working full time to ending up being in part time most of, most of the time and still being paid a good wage for it. So uh, yeah, not too bad actually, Miles. Excellent. That's uh, sounding very positive. Basically, you're uh, you're skiving by all accounts. Yeah, pretty much. Very good, Flinty. What about the COVID year? Uh, the COVID year is it's just meant more hours for me. Obviously, Domino's hasn't shut. It's just carried on through. Really, it's just got busier at work, but. There's nothing wrong with being busy at work, is there? You never know. I've been quite lucky to keep my job the whole way through, where, whereas others haven't. So, yeah, I've been busy, but I've been able to earn more money, save up. Now, uh, Flint, you, you talk a little bit about work there, and um, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to, to maybe discuss some of the, the nicknames that you've been uh, come to be known over by the last few years. Obviously, you are the Flinty flint dog i think that's probably a mitchism but uh, other nicknames of course we do refer to you as mr kipling the cake lord papa john uh, but do you want to tell us what you are what you do when you aren't playing cricket i know you've just mentioned it a bit uh, i'm the manager at domino's pizza making pizzas to feed the whole of maxfield and surrounding areas any uh, i mean i don't want to get anyone in too much trouble here but any any sort of regular customers from the cricket club you want to uh, you know throw under the bus Recently, I haven't because we've uh, we don't really get that many collections. But uh, Froggy was a recent, uh, well, not a recent, but uh, quite often come for a collection. He loved loved a good pizza. And uh, can you remember what his sort of toppings of choice were? He usually went for a meteor, which I know also Tom Carter's a fan of. But it's basically, I think Adnan described it as a heart attack pizza. <laughs> I'll obviously make sure that we don't send this to, uh, you know, Papa John's uh, head office and get you in trouble for, for calling their pizzas uh, heart attack pizzas. I'm sure they'll uh, they'll just let it pass with the amount of money they're making. <laughs> Very good. And Longshore, um, obviously, you mentioned a little bit about work. Do you want to tell us what you do? Yeah, so my role is head of cricket development at Stockport Grammar School. So when I'm not playing cricket or coaching anyone down at the club, I'm a uh, trying to coach the kids at Stockport Grammar to be slightly better than I am. But yeah, no, it's good. I spend sort of most of the time coaching other sports, rugby, hockey, football, etc. And then in the cricket sort of season and term, it's basically my role to oversee everything and all the fixtures and all that sort of stuff. So quite enjoyable, quite rewardable, um, and basically a hobby that I get paid for. So not too bad in that sense, I suppose. Excellent. And obviously you're bringing it around to cricket there a bit, Longshore. So let me ask you what your sort of earliest cricketing memories are. So I imagine like most people, to be honest, Miles, it was playing cricket in the back garden. Um, as you mentioned before, you know, Josh used to be a bit of a cricket himself, so me and Josh and my dad used to play. Um, I remember when we used to live down south, my dad he sort of played a bit of village cricket on a Sunday, and you know, me and my brother always be down there, sort of having a bit of a bat and a ball. But I, I can't remember him playing too many games because he used to wicket keep, and he always seemed to break a finger. So every time he did that, he was out for another spell on the sideline. So yeah, probably just back garden, down watching my dad, and then sort of as I've grown up, playing in sort of into the juniors and Matt basically. And Flinty, I suppose there might be some uh, similarities here. Obviously, a pretty cricket-mad family. What are your sort of earliest cricketing memories? It's fairly similar to Adam's, as in the village sense as well, because my dad plays for the Ashtree Cricket Club. That's sort of how I did my junior stuff, because I wasn't really with Mac from the start. So playing playing down on Sundays with my dad in the Ashtree, watching him play, and then sort of got into the, uh, the junior side when I was about 15. So probably probably a bit later than most people do, but um, yeah, it was just through uh, through Will Smith. Went down to training with him, played cricket like for fun with my brother 
all all our lives really so yeah it was uh via that route that i got into playing for mac longshore you sort of uh came through the academy at uh, mac obviously as well a slightly younger age than flinty there um i believe you started as an under 10 is that right yeah uh, probably under 10s under 11s and then sort of worked my way through all the way up basically um had the privilege of playing with some good players um as chris said the likes of will smith etc and then I always managed to somehow get myself to play sort of in the age group above. So I remember playing with the likes of uh, Nipper, Pete Byron, when I was sort of working my way up into the 18s. Yeah, so I managed to wangle a gig sort of two or three years higher and, and sort of get put into the under 18s as a bit of a fielder, I think, at first. And um, Flinty, did you play any sort of uh, junior cricket with Macclesfield or did you come in and, and sort of join the senior setup? Uh, it was 50 50, really. I did play a bit of junior cricket. It was mainly under 18. I remember. I think one year we did okay. We got to the uh, quarterfinals. We had a really strong team at this point. We had, I think, both Winrow brothers. Uh, Crossy was 18. Aswad, Adam, uh, Will. We had a really strong team, which didn't perform on the day. So I did play a bit, but usually it was a Mitch or Carl Burgess text message asking if I was available because they didn't have enough on the Friday night. <laughs> so it's back in the days when uh, you were the, the Chris Flint to... He proudly batted eight and didn't bowl. Uh, seven. <laughs> you tell it to the judge. Well, uh, we're going to move on, lads, and, and talk about a, a little bit of stats and a, and a couple of games that involve both of you. Um, Flinty, we'll start with you first. We'll, uh, well, you know what, actually, lads? I think, you know, as we've got both of you on, we, we might do this in, uh, uh, you know, to and fro. We'll, we'll do your both of your batting stats first. I think so Flinty in all you've got uh, 107 games recorded on play crickets 96 innings 16 not outs scoring 1112 runs the highest score of 66 and I'm quite interested to get your take just as I mentioned you there as uh, you know the, the proud number eight that didn't bowl 21 ducks what are you saying about that Flint Dog? If I'm honest I'm surprised it's not more. <laughs> now I would point out here that whilst I'm giving Flinty a little bit of uh, a bit of flack here he um, as I mentioned you know uh, even up until about two or three years ago um, you sort of were a, a pretty different cricketer to, to what you are now dare I say it there were these Chris Flint experiments with you occasionally opening the batting and, and indeed the bowling, which is a horrifying thought. But um, over the last few years, dare I say, you've matured in your cricketing approach and and worked your way up the order now to sort of be batting in that sort of number three and number four position. And um, what I would say is if we look at the last three seasons, uh, 2018, you scored 340 runs, 2019, 359 runs, and obviously the curtailed season last year, 124 runs. So it'd be interesting to see in another three years kind of, you know, where your, your stats are looking compared to the last three years whereas the beginning of your career um would you say that's something you you kind of you felt um a difference in your approach to sort of how you want to play the game and where you want to bat yeah definitely it's it's definitely the last few years i've thought about when i've been batting what i've been doing because there was a point where i didn't really know if it was a batsman or a bowler and it's fairly clear now that i'm not a bowler (laughs) some sometimes i thought i was just a fielder and i enjoyed fielding so but yeah, no, I've just concentrated a lot more, worked on technique. I think what's been, what it's been down to is regular training sessions. Quite often my season's broken up due to work or other commitments. So I wasn't able to get to training some weeks. I've just, um, but in the last few years, I've really like knuckled down on training and I've been doing it with yourself, with Adam, and then any like overseas players have got extra sessions in. 
just putting the extra hours in really I think that's helped like uh, show that I've got the ability to do it and then hopefully progress onto uh, higher teams like I have done in the seconds. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing I would take away from that that I want to make very clear is uh, your developments in your batting have got absolutely nothing to do with me. Uh, just before anybody misconstrues what you just said there. Yeah, very correct. <laughs> no, mate, it's, uh, you know, all joking aside, obviously you are uh, still um, the sort of vice captain of the third team and obviously take the reins when I'm I'm not able to be there. And, and you have, uh, you know, developed yourself into a very different cricketer in the last few years being that sort of uh, number three, number four, you know, one of the senior batsmen. And um, as I say, if you look at the runs you've put on the board, you you can see a a marked difference, shall we say. Um, Now, Longshore, moving on to you, obviously played at Mac for uh, a little bit longer than Flinty. So you've got a few more games and, you know, a few more innings and all that sort of stuff. But in total, you've played 283 games, 234 innings, 45 not outs. Scoring 3,717 runs with a highest score of 104 not out and 34 ducks. Now, I suppose 34 ducks out of 234 innings, that's not so bad. What are your feelings on the ducks? Not too bad, to be honest. I'll be completely honest, Miles. Those stats probably look slightly better than they should do. Um, I was very fortunate to reach my peak at about age sort of 15, playing in the top end of the under 15s and, and basically trying to retire every single game. So, all those not outs and sort of things offset all those ducks that I've scored ever since, basically. Well, I don't know. I mean, if we look back at some of your stats, I mean, you've scored 10 50s and 100, as I mentioned, for the club. So, you know, you, you obviously are putting some uh, some scores on the board. And 2019, you scored 250s, the highest score of 93 not out, which you might get onto a bit later. But all of the, the four years before that, you scored a 50 each year. You're sort of regularly putting 200, 300 runs on the board. So I think you. You know, giving yourself a little bit of a bit of a shoe in there, Longshaw. Yeah, I'd say I'm fairly happy with it. I think last year's format of cricket did really suit my uh, my style. I think normally I end up coming in with two three overs left the bat, which doesn't normally lead to a lot of runs. And when you're not really seeing the ball, given the fact that I wasn't training an awful lot, then uh, it doesn't really sort of bring itself to to justify many runs. So I think yeah. I'll have to be one of the 50 stuff back and I sort of settle in for a bit of a longer stint if possible. Well, I mean, what I would say from that is Longshore that I can't see the ball either and that's always been my problem with batting. But I don't think that's entirely what you were getting at, was it? Mate, that's why I coach, do you know what I mean? You make the kids feel better than you do. And then <laughs> you, you tell them, do as I say, not as I do. Because if any of them watch me on a Saturday, I'll have uh, lost me uh, clients, I think. Now, uh, moving on to some, some other stats that I wanted to talk about. You, you're both, um, and rightly so, consider yourself to be uh, a couple of the better fielders around the club. I think you certainly both enjoy your fielding very much um, and as such, you know, generally tend to have quite a big influence in the field and certainly whenever you are playing threes and, and twos, um, possibly with the, a couple of exceptions we might talk about for you, Longshaw. You know, you're always both very involved in, in, in the field, um, like to take your catches and affect your run out. So uh, we'll just talk about a few a few stats. Uh, Flinty, on play cricket now, of course, I'm sure you've caught a lot more than this that just aren't recorded, but um, you have a total of 38 catches. I'm pleased to say zero stumping, so hopefully you've never kept wicket and uh, eight run outs accredited to you. But um, in the last couple of years, you've taken nine and eight catches and uh, yeah, three and two run outs. Um, do, you, do you love you fielding as much as I always think you do, Flinty? It's just a point when I get to what I get to watch you bowl, mate. And sometimes it's absolutely brilliant. Sometimes it's terrible. But either way, you usually take wickets. So we quite often win the game when you take wickets. So it's just, it's all down to you, mate. <laughs> 
Not because you have to catch uh, all the horrible balls that I bowl that get nearly smacked for six and you catch them on the boundary. To be honest, mate, it's the Shinhai full bungers I worry about. <laughs> I've been telling you this for years. The Shinhai full bunger at 13 cricket is one of the most devastating deliveries you can bowl. If you could bowl that, I'd probably bowl you every week. Mine's either too short or over the batsman's head. <laughs> <laughs> very good and uh longshore you know what are your your thoughts on fielding i'll, I'll just give you numbers briefly you've got a uh, 85 catches one stumping which i'm very alarmed about which means you must have kept wicket unless it was josh and uh and nine run outs one season i must point out you did take 12 catches um yeah you, do you love your fielding as much as flinty i mean at the end of the day you've just got to sort of you have to enjoy it. And then, you know, you're stood in the field for three or four hours. Most of the time with lads that you like, occasionally with lads that you might not get on with as well. So, uh, yeah, you've just got to enjoy it. And at the end of the day, if you can provide a few laughs to people, then it makes it all the better, to be honest. And I will confirm that something is mine. Um, <laughs> I can tell you the story if we want. Oh, go on. It's high peakly. I have to go back to play cricket to find it. But we ended up playing at Wilmsley, which is the, uh, the pitch at the Leisure Centre. And normally with a high peak, when I was playing, we used to sort of mix things around and the lads who batted low down the order batted high up and the lads who didn't bowl got a bowl and whatever. And I actually kept wicket and the lad who bowled is a lad called Dominic Moore, who I don't think plays anymore. But he was our wicketkeeper at the time and he sort of came on. And as with any wicketkeeper, he bowled, he decided to bowl some sort of filthy spin. I think he floated one up and this lad just came charging down the track, missed it by a country mile. And I somehow managed to grab the ball behind the stumps and take bails off. So... That's the one sort of stumping that I've had. But I think, yeah, I took a catch in that game as well. So it can't have been too bad. But I think every cricketer likes to think you can keep wicket and sort of take the gloves on a training day and it's dead easy. But I promise you it's not as easy as that. No, it's it's horrendous. It's something I've never done and never will do. Um, but uh, moving on to, I think, maybe what might be both of your uh, most hotly contested areas of statistics um, I do want to talk about your bowling stats. I mentioned before, Flinty, there were these uh, just frankly uh, atrocious Chris Flint experiments knocking around a few years ago where I mentioned you opened the batting and sometimes you opened the bowling um, and, and all sorts of weird and wonderful things like this. But we're going to run over the bowling stats. So Flinty, in total, you've bowled 35.2 overs with two maidens taking eight wickets with a best of two for nine and an economy rate of 4.47. Um, what can you tell us about your, your bowling? The one thing I will say before you tell us about your bowling is that I'm very pleased to see that you bowled no overs in the 2019 season. Because I was always batting, mate. <laughs> yeah, what, what what were these Chris Flint experiments? Talk me through these. I think it was Carl Burgess was still captain. Last game of the season at was it Peaver? Yeah, you and I opened the bowling. I think I think my first over was an eleven ball over due to wides. I think I bowled two or three overs, and then I think Timo came on to my relief. Didn't he take six or seven on a on a on a dust bowl that was turning square? I think I think I softened him up, mate. <laughs> I do remember. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to bring this game up. The end of the 2018 season, Macclesfield 13 were playing uh, Didsbury. Uh, well, fifth team, but effectively their third team. And um, it was a bit of a non-event. They'd won the league. Uh, we we couldn't get promoted. Um, they started messing around and all their bowlers were batting and their batters were bowling. And some a bloke that 
I think took the most wickets in the league was keeping wicket. And uh, I I brought Ian Kenny on to bowl, <laughs> who promptly took two wickets. And uh, Flinty didn't get a bowl. And and you were not very happy about this, were you? To the, to the extent that you went and got your tea. Um, you didn't have the scones because you didn't realise they were there, which is hilarious in itself for you and your cakes. Um, and you went and sat on the other side of the ground by yourself. <laughs> you were in a mad strop because you didn't get to bowl. Have I told the story accurately? Or? You're very close. I think I had one donut for my tea and then that was that. <laughs> Do you think the Chris Flint experiment needs to come back? Maybe maybe in a game we've potentially already won. Um <laughs> Other, other than that, I need to see how it comes out in a couple of weeks' time. I, I might, I might go down the longshore approach and stop trying to bowl seam and try and bowl just some slow doubly stuff. <laughs> oh, very good, longshore. We're going to move on to your bowling now. Um, again, obviously, having played quite a lot of junior cricket, you know, you you, you have got uh, well. I'll give you your stats long as you've bowled 538 overs, 61 maidens, taking 119 wickets with the best bowling of 4 for 15, an economy rate that just pips Flinty of 4.16, averaging not too unrespectable 18, I have to say, actually, striking at 27. But what I would say is in the 2019 season, you bowled two overs. You didn't bowl any in in 2020 and uh, you didn't bowl any on record before that until 2016. But you did bowl twenty six point three overs in uh, in two thousand and fifteen. Um, what what can you tell us about your frankly much discussed bowling? Well, I was, I'll be honest with you. I think the figures sort of flashed to me very much so. And I think firstly, my body feels the five hundred overs. Um, I've got a forty year old back and a twenty four year old's body. <laughs> but I think as well, I think the privilege of being captain in about three or four sort of years definitely helped me out with a lot of bowling. There was a lot of overs stuck in, in the high peak league where you could normally pick up two or three wickets. But I actually made my 13th debut as a bowler. So obviously something's gone drastically wrong since then. I think I'll stick to net bowling now. I think that's the way. Well, we will, we'll come back to your third team bowling because there's a couple of stories I do want to dig up. But what I would say, Longshore, is, is in the 2011 season, you bowled 146.3 overs, 24 maidens, 36 wickets with a best of three for four striking at 24 and you average 16.6 if that had been senior cricket i mean th- those are some seriously good numbers i'll just assume that you are uh you know bowling at people who didn't know how to play cricket is that fair oh mate that was 100 percent fair i think by the time you get past 18 everyone actually knows how to hold the bat the right way around so uh you're less likely to get some easy wickets in there uh, i think there's probably a few bad lb to some digits LBW decision as well. I think Stuart Garnett might have given me a few good ones in that year or something like that. But yeah, I think I think the bowling is retired for now. Let's say very very good loggers. Um, now moving on, as I mentioned, there's a couple of games that that I want to mention. You, you're going to have one each. Normally we we allow two games each, but you know as it's uh, it's it's two of you, it'll be one game each. Flinty, we're going to talk about a game that you want to discuss first. Um, this is from uh, the 2018 season. 21st of July and this was Macclesfield third team versus Poynton second team um, back when Poynton were Poynton and not um, North East Cheshire. Macclesfield obviously lost the toss because I was captain that day um, so Poynton won the toss and elected to bat and posted 219 for nine off their 45 overs. In reply Macclesfield managed to uh, well by the looks of it stitch the game 149 for nine 
um, off their 45 overs. So as I say, the, the game was drawn. What do you want to tell us about this game? Firstly, the, the point in innings uh, featuring uh, a recently sort of departed Macclesfield player back to Northeast Cheshire. But I'll, I'll let you tell the story for what it is. Yeah, so uh, just before the price of that game, the Friday night, um, it was Lancashire versus Yorkshire T20. And Adam and I went... And I got, I was off on the Friday, so early dying to Manchester. And Adam was supposed to be meeting me roughly about half two, three o'clock. So I was sat in, sat in the bar at the train station in Manchester about half past two. Adam texted me, I'm not going to get there till five. And I'd already bought him a pint. So by the time he caught up, I was already a bit drunk. So yeah, long story short, I was fairly hungover on the Saturday and uh, Harrison, Harrison scored probably the worst hundred I've ever seen. <laughs> and unfortunately I dropped two absolute dollies off him because I couldn't see the ball and one extremely hard chance off Tony Moores so I dropped him three times on the way to 100 and I think I got that much abuse off the team I got sent to the boundary where I did run someone out but um, yeah I think the, the pain of the runs and the drop catches spurred me on to get into the 40s again and then out I have a problem with getting to 40 45 48 49 and then chipping one to mid wicket I think I've done it three times now, so uh, I might get the uh, 13.50 one day. Well, there are a couple of takeaway things from this that I want to discuss. Uh, firstly, that I can agree that Harrison's 100 was probably the worst 100 I've seen. Um, although, Longshore, you, you might want to uh, disagree with that uh, a bit later on. Now, I remember this game because I think... I wasn't immediately aware of the fact that both of you had been out on the banjo the night before... But then in, I remember in the warm-up that uh, you, Flinty, were, were sort of running around the outfield looking like you were still drunk and dropping anything that came anywhere near you. I think you threw a ball backwards, actually, by mistake. So I kind of got the sniff that something might be awry. And, and then I do remember when you dropped him for the second time, I unleashed an absolute volley at you to which you said something back to me that I can't repeat on the air, and then I dismissed you to to, to the deep mid-wicket boundary where you promptly then um, ran round, slid, fielded the ball and ran someone out next ball and then gave me an almighty spray back. Uh, do, you, do you remember either of those conversations between me and you at the time? Yes, I do. I remember. I think that's what spurred me on to actually score some runs that day because it wasn't, the, uh, wasn't how my head was feeling. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think... I think I was stood at point and I told you I didn't like fielding at point. One spewed up in the air, spinning, and I dropped it. And I did say I didn't want to stand at point. I think that problem's gone now. I've taken a few catches at point now. So the jips of a point have gone. But yeah, it was a, it was a heated moment. But yeah. We move on. We did. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, Macclesfield did draw the game. But um, talking about, you know, becoming a bit more of the senior man with the batting, you, you did bat number three that day and um, and you did chip another 50, uh, scoring 48. Um, the uh, the other sort of mainstay of the innings was probably Ben Winrow. Um, an unlikely Ed Strong batting at six. Um, I don't know what I was thinking there, but um, maybe it's just because of who was below him. Uh, I mean, Pete Langley at eight. That's a that's a dubious, dubious decision on my part. Although he was LBW for, for a duck to Alfie Jones. Um, but yeah, in the end, uh, it was a drawn game. Macclesfield managed to, to hang on by the looks of it. Tony Moores and myself uh, managed to stitch it out. But yes, another one of your jibbed 50s for the third team, which you're absolutely going to put right this year, aren't you? Well, I'll try. Maybe I just don't want to buy you a beer after the game, that's all. <laughs> 
who knows now long as we're going to move on to you there's um there's a game that uh, you want to talk about um which is from the 20th of july 2019 um and actually this is macclesfield's third team versus bradbury st mark's second team Brebury won the toss and elected to bat and scored 208 for five off their 45 overs. And in reply, Macclesfield came agonisingly short, posting 204 for six off 45 overs. I wasn't playing that day, and as a result, your best mate, Chris Flint, was captain. What can you what can you tell me about this game? I remember it quite well, actually. I remember sort of thinking, obviously, with Chris being captain, that I was a shoo-in for a good sort of spot with the batting and sort of any position that I want in the field. And I actually remember Bradbury St. Mark's are doing quite all right. And I got quite frustrated at Chris. I think as someone who's captain before, it's quite hard to sort of let go and, and allow the person who's captain on the field to do their job on their own without chipping in, um, which I'm sure Chris found quite annoying on the day. But I remember, yeah, they sort of started getting going and getting quite frustrated at, at Chris and, and our field in general. And then we came out to bat. Joe Haig sort of got us off to a, a quite a snaily start. We were, must have been going at one or two and over. And obviously, you know, everyone on the boundary likes to think that they can do it better than the bloke in the middle. But yeah, I remember coming out to bat. Um, I think when I came in, I think it was me and eventually sort of Chris came in at the same time. And we just had a bit of a laugh out there, to be honest. Um, we got some quite favourable bowling. And I think eventually I ran him out. Um, we tried to go for a two and sort of butchered him and left him stranded at one end, which I think he accepted given the situation. But yeah, it turned out to be quite a good one, actually. Um, but as you said, you know, agonisingly short in the end. So Flinty, I, I must bring you in here. Is he telling the story? Did he? Did you cop an acceptable run out or did he barbecue you? Uh, I was going to. I was trying to get him back on strike because only Adam was going to win us that game the way he was hitting it. So there was no barbecue. I... I just said I needed to get him back on strike. So, uh, yeah, we were coming back for the second. And I knew he was never getting there, but I had to, if there was a fumble or anything, I had to get him back on strike. So, no, I ran myself out. Fair. Very, very honest of you. And um, Longshore, you scored 93 not out that day, uh, seven fours and six sixes. Can you remember the sort of last couple of overs? What was the situation of the game? Do you know? I can, yeah. We seemed to sort of accelerate really, really quickly. And, and Bradford got a bit sort of, worried at that point. I think they were sort of expected to be home and hose quite easily. Um, and I remember once Chris got out, I had a little sort of short spell with Harrison. And then I remember the last few overs, I can't remember when, but Ben Wimrow came in to bat with me. And those who know Ben know that sort of he fancies himself as, as a batter. And I remember he comes out to me and uh, he goes, right, you know, let's just do it between us. And he, he sort of said something along the lines of leave it to me. And I'm thinking, Ben, I'm on about 80 here. Like, I'm, I'm hitting it quite well. You know, just let me do the hitting and you just run for me. And I remember we got to sort of the last over. There's quite a few people watching on the sideline. I think the first or second to finish their game. And you get sort of a bit of a buzz about it. And I think we needed sort of 10 or 11 off the last over. And the bloke bowled me a full toss first ball. Missed it by a mile. Got quite frustrated. Missed the next couple. And then it came down to sort of the final ball. And we needed eight or nine to win. And I remember I'd had a bit of chat with the wicketkeeper during the game, and, you know, sort of backwards and forwards and that sort of thing. And he said to me, he went, oh, imagine what it feels like if you hit this last one for six. And I remember the bloke floated in a nice half volley up and I put him over the top of his head back over the side screen. And the wicketkeeper just started absolutely bursting out laughing. And uh, yeah, it was one of those ones where you don't even realise what the score you're on. So you're thinking, oh, I can't be on much here. Um, but when you get to it, you think, oh, I've kind of jibbed 100 here. But to be fair, it, mean, it meant I didn't have to buy a jug after the game, so it's all good. 
I thought you were going to do a really good thing there and, you know, talk about how you weren't bothered about the 100. It didn't even occur to you just trying to win the game. And then you go and round it out, throw yourself under the bus and say you didn't want to buy a jug. Oh, mate, I think at that point I didn't have any money either. So it probably wasn't a bad thing. I would have tried to make Chris buy it as well. I would have asked Chris to buy it instead. But... <laughs> Flinty, yeah. do you think you'd have bought him that jug if he'd scored that 100 and won the game? Yeah, we'll never know, mate. He didn't score the 100 and win the game, so. That's a politician's answer if ever I've heard it. Well, given that you've just said that, Longshore, I was going to let you get away with this, but I'm not now. I'm going to give you a bit of a special mention here because you. I always ask our guests the games that they'd like to talk about. And invariably, you know, if someone's got a, a highest score or best bowling performance, it generally tends to be that game that they want to talk about, which is absolutely fine. You didn't want to talk about the one time you scored 100. Now, I find this a little bit curious, and I did a bit of digging and uh, I think I might have an idea as to why you didn't want to discuss this game. Do you uh, do you want to tell the listeners about the 100 you scored? Yeah, so um, I think this is sort of the first time I've actually aired it properly. I think unless you've done some digging, most people actually won't know about it, apart from the blokes who played on that Saturday. Uh, but I remember it was a third-team game. We were playing Cheadle Hume. And, and for those who know Cheadle Hume, they're not a bad set of blokes, but there's a few older blokes in there who... They tend to get quite grumpy and they don't really enjoy the Saturday afternoon of the cricket. Um, I think some of them use it as a chance to get away from the wives. Would you enjoy your cricket on a Saturday if you had to go and play on that cabbage patch with no covers? Oh, no, 100% not. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad I was at home, to be honest. But I remember we were at the top and, and as with most sort of Saturday cricket in the third, the opposition tends to be very late. Um, we're always quite good at getting there on time. But I remember it got to about sort of 10 to 1, 5 to 1. And there were seven blokes stood there and were thinking, right, what the hell's going on here? And they were like, yeah, so they won the toss. And they were like, yeah, we'll have a ball first. And we're thinking, well, we've got seven players here at the minute. Surely the rest are going to turn up. Anyway, they got onto the pitch and obviously, you know, the seven of them there looks a bit silly with all the gaps and stuff. And two more rocked up, but they still only had nine. And we're about 15, 20 overs in and we're thinking, where's the other two? And, uh, and yeah, so my 100 was scored against nine <laughs> blokes in the field. And I'll be honest, Miles, I probably faced a better bowling lineup in the under 11 high peak feed. I think everyone had a go at bowling that day, apart from the wiki keeper. So, I mean, comparing this to the 100 that you didn't see Harrison score, that probably was the worst 100 I've ever seen. Um, how do you think this 100 ranks against the 100 you didn't see? I think for everyone on the sideline, it probably looked fairly decent. But I think in my head, it probably is one of the worst hundreds that anyone's ever seen. If anyone on the sideline knew about cricket, they'd probably agree with that, to be honest. Um, I, I think what made it even worse was the fact we kept them out there for sort of 40-odd overs, I think maybe 45 overs, and then we skittled them for about 50, which is never a good feeling. But yeah, it was a it was a proud moment, but on the same, I, I would like to get that first proper hundred, let's say. I think anybody would say this to you, that at the end of the day, you've got a one in that 100 column. And uh, and some of us don't and never will, in my case. Yeah, well, I think on my recent performances, it might be a while before I go it again. But... Good sport for, for fielding that slightly tricky question there. Uh, no pun intended, Longers. Um, now, moving on to our next segment. Obviously, we've not really covered this too much yet. But I mentioned you're obviously best mates on and off the pitch. Um, you know, you are the original sort of Macclesfield bromance um, you know, you've shared lots of things and experiences over the years, most of which we won't go into. But uh, as such, myself and some of our patrons obviously came up with this rather good idea that we uh, we wanted to do a bit of a segment with you, have a bit of fun. So we've come up with this idea of, of doing a bit of a take on Mr. and Mrs. 
um, you know, the, the, the great sort of uh, Hindu game, all these sorts of things. Obviously, we're modifying it for you two. We've got a few questions. Now, I have sent these questions to both of you ahead of time, and you have sent me your individual responses. Um, and you both will confirm, please, that you've not collaborated on the responses. No, no. So what we're going to do, we're going to read out some of these questions, and then you're going to give your uh, your individual answers. I'm going to invite Longshore to answer the question first. Um, so there's 20 questions here, boys. What would you be happy with uh, with getting? You've, you've both got to give the same answer here. You know, 20 questions. What would you say is an acceptable number out of 20 to get, you know, on on behalf of your, your great bromance? I'm going to say probably 15 or more, because I think if we both don't get 15 or more, we've got to have a serious chat about what, sort of where this relationship's going as friends. <laughs> Flinty, any thoughts? Yeah, 15. I mean, I've just read reread the first question and I've realised I've answered the wrong question. And I'll, I'll explain I'll explain when you read the question what, what I thought it meant. But yeah, 15, I reckon, 15 or more. Right, OK. So before we get to this question, what would you have answered if you now that you've read the question correctly? I'd, I'd have answered it me. OK. Well, <clears throat> this is, of course, as I said, the Mr and Mr segment uh we'll run through the questions as i say longshore if you give your answers first so who is the big spoon chris yeah so i put adam but then i thought it said who is the biggest spoon as in like oh yeah you're but then i've just read it back saying who's the big spoon and it'd be definitely be me <laughs> right you know what because you've uh you've gone and said that i'm gonna i'm gonna allow you to, to change the uh the answers there um so we'll give you that one as well so an extra question. Um, second question, who has the best rig? Me. Adam. Who has the best lid? Me. I also said it was me, sorry. Oh, bit of discourse there. Any uh, any thoughts on, on why you both think you've got the best lid? I think Adam doesn't get his hair cut short enough, so... And it's very... It's very I don't want to say old-fashioned, but it's just... It's not like with the current trend. <laughs> What do you think about taking trend advice from uh, Flinty, Longus? I mean, this is coming from a bloke who spends most of his time wearing a cap in work. So, I mean, you, know, you can get away <laughs> with a bad trim if he's got one. So. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, who has the best chat? Chris, 100%. Yeah, I put myself. There's a spider in the house. Who has to deal with it? Chris. Yep, me. <laughs> Who's the messiest? I'd probably say me. You know what? We both, uh, I think we both said neither of us were both very clean. But then I also answered it. I said it would be me because we we are both very clean. Like we're not we're not messy at all. So I said I put my hand up and said it was me. Well, I'm going to have to put an X down for that one. That's uh, that's a big fail, boys. Who typically wins arguments? Chris. Yeah, I put my I put me. Who wears the trousers in the relationship? In inverted commas. Chris. Yeah, me. Who's the better cook? Chris, but he's had more experience. Yeah, I, I, again, these, these questions are suiting what I'm semi-good at. So <laughs> if there was a question on who's the better cricket coach, it would be Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the day, it's not about, uh, you know, who is the best at something. It's about whether you both get the answer right. So uh, you're doing pretty well so far. Um, who's better at saving money? Chris. Yeah, me again. <laughs> who's better at spending money? Chris, you should see him yep. on that out. Yeah, me. <laughs> Who is the better dancer? Chris, but mainly because I just stand by the bar and don't dance. Oh, Adam, Adam is so stiff. But it's a good <laughs> thing he doesn't dance. 
<laughs> right. Now, here's the first sort of, uh, you know, more tricky question, shall we say. Who will cry first on their wedding day? I'm going to say me, but mainly because I've never seen Chris cry. Oh, mate, I've said me. I'm, I'm quite emotional whenever I've had a few beers or a can be. Did, did you cry at my wedding, Flinty? I was only crying for a cat, but... <laughs> <laughs> Very, very good. I'll I'll, uh, I'll line him up. You knock him out of the park, pal. Um, who plans the better dates? Me. Chris normally takes him to the pub. Well, I think you meant like dates as in like what we also do ourselves. And you're always trying to plan stuff. I go places. So yes, I did vote for you, Adam. Excellent. Who's more obsessed with their phone? I'll be Chris, but it's quite close. Yeah, I, I put me. Now, we're getting on to the more contentious ones here. These were designed to uh, divide and conquer. I'm not going to lie. Who has the better cover drive? I'm going to say me, because Chris looks like he's swatting flies when he does it. I also said it was me, <laughs> only because Adam Adam just hits the ball in the air on the leg side. He doesn't know what a cover drive is. See, this is why I wanted to throw in a few of these at the end, because I knew that you would both just say yourselves. Um, however, who has the best pair of hands? Me. I put Adam just. Very good. Who has the longest arm? Chris. Probably one of the biggest pros I've seen in the threes. You know what? I've read it the questions whose arms are longer. <laughs> Thinking about it, I throw them all further than that now. I'm not giving you that one. You can have the first one, but that's going down as a cross. You you absolute yeah. buffoon. That's uh, and, fine. and finally, who is the better bowler? It's gotta be Chris. <laughs> For Adam. Very good. Well, fellas, you you round out getting 14 out of 20. Now, oh. I suppose if Flinty, if you had actually managed to understand the English language and read the question correctly, you would have actually got that 15 out of 20. So, you know, I would say it's a pretty, pretty resounding victory for you both. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot and, and make you say nice things about each other. But, um, you know, when, when did this uh, sort of blooming bromance sort of first materialise. Have you always been good mates? Um, I think, yeah, we've always been quite sort of good mates. Um, we played a little bit together in the under-18s, but I think sort of more recently, um, we're just both playing third team together and that sort of thing. It's, it's kind of just sprung out of, out of that. But yeah, I think, you know, everyone wants a best mate who they can have a beer with and, and sort of, you know, that that person always uh, has your back with it. So, yeah. I think that's where it's come from, basically. That's enough nice stuff I'm saying for Chris. Flinty, you've you've got to uh, you've got to re- retort to some of that. Well, I just like the older man in my life, and that Adam's that man. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, Longers. You've you've borne it all out there. You know, you've got your heart out. You've you've, you've said all those nice things, and he's just throwing you under the bus. That's that's mates, isn't it? Hey, this is what it's like when I text him. There's, there's no emotion there. I'm starting to feel like he doesn't like me anymore. Whoever would have thought that we'd be describing you as the emotional one, Longshaw? I know it only comes out in, in the uh, in the odd occasion, though. Don't worry, Mr. Monotone's here to say. <laughs> well, uh, now that we've kind of gone through some of the uh, you know the crickets and stats, a few games. Obviously, we want to talk about some funny stories and a, and a few bits and pieces. So the first one that I know you're both very very keen to talk about, <laughs> and there is a quite a re- recurring theme here. But um, Ashley away a few years ago, it was the start of the season. It was absolutely baking hot. I remember. I was running in, tearing myself to pieces at the start of the season. Uh, I think I bowled 14 on the bounce, and you two clowns, and I and I use that word <laughs> very liberally, um, you know, came and had a bit of a day out. 
I think that's probably fair to say. Longshore, you especially had the biggest day out, but um, Flinty, tell me about the night before firstly, and then Longshore can tell me about the game. Well, I got an early finish from work, and Adam and I's plan was to go for a beer after work, and you directly messaged us both saying, do not be hungover, do not be out late. And I think we replied to you saying, going home now, it's 12 o'clock. But you being quite smart, you saw on WhatsApp that it says last active, 3.45am. So you knew we were out until God knows when. Adam, being Adam, wasn't really like like drunk drunk. I was bladdered. <laughs> but we both turned up. Um, you Yeah, you did bowl very well that day. And I think if you remember, I actually caught one of the caught one of your wickets. So I, I recovered uh, better than I did against Poynton. You did? But yeah. But yeah, um, Adam didn't recover, and he didn't really start. <laughs> uh, Longshore, you you, di- you did have a big day out. Uh, do you, do you want to talk us through your big day out? Uh, I remember first, as Chris said, we were both absolutely hanging the next morning. I think the warm up kind of set the pace. I think me and Chris missed every single ball that's hit towards us, and, and didn't see most of them anyway. Um, but what I remember is, for whatever reason, somebody had sort of redefined me as a bit of an all-rounder and gone, oh, long as I've a bit of a bowl, you've done all right in next recently, you know, come and do it. And I remember coming in and, and sort of you you chucking the ball to me and saying, right, long as you can have a bowl. And I had DC next to me at mid-off, so we had sort of everyone around. And uh, I sort of paced my run-up out and then I went, right, this is how you do it, sort of get down the other end, just bowl it and just focus on getting it within the sort of the green lines. I think what came out for the next two overs can only be regarded as some of sort of the worst filth you'll ever see on a cricket pitch. Um, but which, to be honest, wasn't helped by the fact that every time I bowled one off the strip, Chris turned around and went, Longers, just bowl it faster. Which, if anyone's ever been in that situation where you've got no idea what's going to come out your hand, that's the last thing you want to hear. So I had Chris telling me that, and then I had DC giving me a lecture at the end of every ball, telling me what to do. And I'll be honest, Miles, I felt like just walking up and bowling underarm by the end. <laughs> well, um, um, I'm, I'm glad you describe it as that, because I obviously I was captain that day, so I will take my fair share of the blame for this uh, <laughs> calamity of two overs. Uh, in my defence, Ashley is always a pretty sort of firm pretty even pitch dare i say a bit of a road i didn't want to go to our spinners too early so obviously i was sort of well i say tearing in limbering in from one end and and i I do think I, i got into a reasonable rhythm and i think dc opened up from the other end and then i thought look i don't want to go to the spinners too soon let's let's try an adam longshore experiment i'll i'll let him bowl first change i'll give him two overs and i remember thinking He's obviously absolutely hanging. What's the worst that can happen? And the worst that can happen is is the two overs that you then sent down, which consisted of triple bouncing Yorkers, half trackers that were hitting people in the shins, uh, balls off the edge of the cut strip. I reckon you bowled at a really tasty off cutter that hit the next wicket. Um, there was all sorts in there. And somehow, I, I, in fairness to you, I think you only conceded about 10 runs in those two overs. Uh, but it but it was the, just some of the worst bowling I've seen in a long term, so, long time. So I did take you off. You then dropped a catch off my bowling, um, which was not doing yourself any favours in, in my eyes because I was pretty angry at you and Flinty, I do remember. Um, and then after that, 
come round to the Macclesfield innings, I think you were batting at four or five. Um, I always do the first umpiring stint. And what did you do? You come out to bat and... Well, I'll be honest with you, Miles. I spent a little bit of time during the winter of that season trying to sort of work on my techniques. I thought, you know, I sort of try to shore myself up a little bit. This is going to be a guaranteed way to score a few more runs. So I'd been messing around with a few different stances and whatever. And I decided that I was just going to stand very sort of square and make sure that I was trying to sort of whip everything through the leg side. However, there's one key thing that you've got to do if you do that, which is actually to hit the ball. And I failed to see the ball, hit the ball, anything. And I just heard that sort of deafening thud of ball onto pad. And then I just, I didn't even bother looking up, I don't think, for a while. And then I looked up and I think this is my sort of chance to apologise to you, Miles, because I looked up and I sort of looked quite perplexed at the fact you put your finger up. And I remember coming off and being really, really frustrated, thinking, how can you give me out and all this sort of thing? But I'll be honest, it's probably the most out anyone's ever been on a cricket field. <laughs> I mean, to, to, to quote Jim Melrose, it's been quoted before, and I'll say it again. You were so out, you were out next week as well, long as... <laughs> yeah, that's probably the case. And then I think I went and scored for a little bit of time, which is probably the one useful thing I did all week, so... <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it's not your biggest day out. I, Flinty, did you score any runs that day? I, d- I don't even remember. Uh, I think you got nine, maybe. Nine, oh, no. Didn't do very well. I remember Tony and I sort of went out last over and, and basically stitched it off. I think we were chasing 210 and we got 180, 190. Yeah, Tom Carter batted very well that day. Ah, yes, he did. He scored 70-odd. And, and to be fair, at one stage, we looked like we might have won the game, actually. Um, and then him him and somebody else got... I think DC got out. Him and him and DC got out. And that was probably, probably curtains. Tony and I sort of met in the middle for the last over. And... Uh, we had a little chat and the needle and thread came out and, and, and there we were. I think that's probably one of the games where I've scored fewer than Chris and been quite frustrated at it. Because I think one of the recurring themes between me and Chris is if we're playing on different pitches, um, what we tend to do is if I can see Chris has got out, I'll text him straight away, knowing full well that he's very, very frustrated. And I'll receive a text message back that contains a lot of expletives and something along the lines of I've given up cricket. And then next week, we'll do it all over again in reverse order or something like that. So I think that was one of the games where I've come off and, and given Chris a bit of a spray about how I'm giving up cricket and that's it for me. And I'm going to go and play golf or something like that. Now, moving on to some other funny stories. Um, I'm, I'm going to hand over to some of our patrons here. I always like to get the patrons involved, get some of their ideas and, and funny stories and, and quotes and things like this. So Dave Bostock, Bozzy, big fan of the podcast, big, uh, big supporter so much love to Dave has got a, a quote that I'm going to read you, Longshore, firstly, which is Adam Longshaw is a very good looking chap, but with the chat of a French mime artist, a waste of good looks, if you ask me. Anything you want to say to uh, to Bozzy? No, I think Bostock's pretty spot on, to be honest. I think if you combine my looks and his sort of personality, you might have a decent bloke in there somewhere. But he's not the first, he's not the last to tell me that. But. Well, there are there are a number of stories and incidents that um, I'm going to bring up now that, that do seem to centre around Chester Borton Hall. And uh, Bozzy remembers a game where the threes couldn't get one of their batsmen out. And for some reason, Burge, a.k.a. the big man, had the idea to bring you on to bowl short pitch heat. And apparently this actually worked and, and, and it resulted in the batsman who was on 70 or 80 odd actually calling for a helmet. Do you remember this? I do actually remember this. I remember sort of every time you go away to Chester, you know, it's going to be a, a road of a pitch and sort of, you know, everything's set up in, in their favour to win the game and whatever. 
And I remember, yeah, we, we were sort of stuttering a little bit and Birdie turns around and he goes, right, Longers, just come left arm move and just try and hit the bloke in the ribs. I'm thinking, Birdie, I'm not quick enough to do that first off. And secondly, the bloke's about 65. Like, I feel quite bad. And anyway, he set up the most ridiculous field. I think we had sort of three or four short in. He was stood under the lid. And, and yeah, after about the eighth bounce of this bloke went, you know what, I'm not having any of this. Put his helmet on and then proceeded to try and smash me around the park for the rest of the game. So Very, very good. Now, Stuart Parks would like to know, Flinty, how your career is progressing uh, umpiring from the boundary. I also, I believe this also centres around a, a visit to Chester Bolton Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you'd be correct. And to be honest, I'm surprised Parks is asking this because the offence was against him. One of the Treen brothers, I don't know which, because they both look the same. I think Parks, he asked for an LBW and he gave it not out. I think Parks, he said something to him. And then the next ball, he, he no-balled him when he was behind the line. And I may have said, that's not a no-ball. And I think he came along the lines of how on earth? He didn't say how on earth can you see from there? And I replied with, because I was watching the line and may have called him something, but I might not. I surprised he heard me from the boundary. And then he ran He ran straight to Carl, crying because I'd called him something. I think Josh Town was playing on the day. And he, I think Town, he called him a cheater. I may have called him something, but at the end of the day, it was resolved because Parksy and I stitched the game at the end for about 15 overs. And then, then Lot said, I could never imagine playing for Macclesfield. And we just said we'd love it because just seeing your face right now is brilliant. Very, very good. Moving on to another one of the patrons, Mitch Moores. Uh, would like to get your take on an infamous game of spoons that you had from 2014, Longers. God, yeah, this is all over Facebook as well, I think. So hopefully my future employers don't bother going back through Facebook. But I remember at the time I was sort of coming through it's in, through the academy and, and into senior ranks and I got pulled up for a game of spoons and obviously Witters is the master at making you feel like an idiot and make you look like an idiot um, in a game of spoons and I remember for whatever reason I, I know obviously normally it's shirt and tie night but I bought this very tight blue blazer which I decided to wear to sort of club night and I remember sort of playing this game of spoons and I kept getting whacked and obviously I've got no idea where it's coming from and and having been on the other end now, I can see where the joke's coming from. But what people didn't realise is I actually cracked one of my teeth on the spoon that game. And I had to go to the dentist a few weeks later and explain to the dentist how I'd got this big chip on my tooth. And I think it cost my parents quite a bit of money to have it looked at and whatever. You mentioned uh, the parents there. Mitch Moores has uh, got another story of, about you, Longshore. Indeed, Mrs. Longshore. And he would like to mention, he thinks this was in about 2012. He had a phone call from the aforementioned Mrs. Longshore on a Saturday morning to say that a very young Adam Longshore wasn't feeling very well after a house party at his friend's the night before. And he wouldn't be able to play that day. Mitch tells me that he he asked her to put you on the phone. And he said, needless to say, he couldn't repeat uh, what he said to you on the phone. But the, the long and short of it was that you ended up playing. And in Mitch's defence, he claims that he was actually more hungover than you. Um, do, do you remember this phone call from uh, Nasty Captain Mitch? I do actually remember this. Uh, I remember, yeah, as you said, it was a house party the night before. And I think the, 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 the key had been sort of, I've been told by my parents, right, make sure you're ready to play cricket the next day. Um, and obviously being sort of young and naive, I didn't do anything and didn't listen to them at all. But I remember, yeah, the next day, I think we offered Froggy a lift. So it was me, my brother, my dad and Froggy in the car. And obviously my dad was trying to sort of, you know, make small talk with Froggy and uh, sort of be nice and like that. And I was just sat in the back wondering what the hell I'm doing. But I think to Mitch's defence, you know, 
it did kind of spur me on. And I clearly haven't learned my lesson, Miles. I don't think I ever will. But yeah, it's sort of one of the few things you learn in life is to make sure that you don't drink on a Friday night before cricket. And how old do you th- do you think you were at the time, roughly? I'd probably say 17 or 18, to be honest. It was sort of in my sixth form years. So yeah, 17, 18. Should have known better. Should have known better. Very, very good. Now, uh, I'm delighted to say that we are, in, in fact, joined by a bit of a special guest. Um, and uh, Burge... The big man is here to, to give us a bit of an update. But, um, you know, we'll ask you about how the challenge is going in a second. But we were just in the middle of discussing some sort of amusing stories from over the years, Burge, in, involving Messrs Longshore and Flint. Um, and your captaincy has been brought up uh, a couple of times. Um, and there is, of course, a very famous incident um, involving yourself and an, and an unlikely catch that we'll get on to. But uh, before we get your take on, you know, Messrs flint and longshore and, and certain events what can you tell us about uh, the challenge how's it all going obviously the the great pounds for pounds challenge that you you're undertaking currently um i believe you're in the last week and we, we just want to hear a bit of an update and perhaps a, a final push for some extra donations to this great cause burge well good evening Miles. how are we we're very very good thank you good yeah we're good it's, it's been a tight finish it's been hard work um no two ways about it obviously set me goal out before the start of the new year, before I knew what restrictions were coming, before I knew how Bozza was going to, and I don't mean the Ginger Baldy one, I mean the bigger, the bigger idiot Bozza, if, if ever there could be one, but political views aside, uh, you know me, before I decided he was going to shut the gyms. Because I thought, oh, they're easy this, eat right, get three or four training sessions in a week, be dead easy. You're a big fat lad, it'll fall off. And then he went, yeah, gyms are going to be shut for three months, and I've just gone, right then, <laughs> um, four pounds a week without gyms. Okay, so, but, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of support from people, family, Danielle, the uh, the better half and stuff, and, you know, dragging me out walking. And to be honest with you, at the start of the challenge, if you'd have said over the course of a weekend and I walked 11 miles, I'd have laughed at you. But, you know, cracked it the other week, had a bit of an off week this week, felt a bit under the weather, and then had my COVID jab thankfully um so that's kind of knocked me for six but yeah long and short is we've got five pounds to lose um by friday and can you tell us what the sort of uh the, the totals are that you're aiming for and, and indeed what you're hoping to raise where we're up to with the donations and indeed what what the weight loss goal is and where you're up to the total goal is 48 pounds in 12 weeks we're currently at 43 off um so just over three stone raising goal you know i just set it at two thousand pounds because Quite frankly, most of your mates have got a lot of coin and it's not like you've been to the pub, so you've got some spare. Come on, let's get donating. It's a good cause. At the end of the day, I think, you know, we've all seen in the news because of everything that's been going on. And I know from semi-personal experience that people who've got cancer aren't getting seen. So unfortunately, there is going to be a lot more people who need um, palliative care in the, unfortunately, not so distant and distant future, really. You know, cancer case that could have been missed. So I think the East Cheshire Hospice over the next few years is going to need as much money as it can get. So if anyone can donate, I'm on Just Giving. I think we're up to about just shy of £1,400. Obviously, I think there's a few people going to hold back on the actual literal meaning of pounds for pounds. And like I say, hopefully, fingers crossed, unless I decide that Brassington's is the place to go this week, I hopefully should do it. I'm a good lad. So, yeah, 
it's uh, it's been you know it's been a, it's been up and down, but yeah, I think we're getting there. Well, Carl, I don't want to uh, obviously give you the big final pat on the back yet because we've still got a, a wee way to go um, in terms of the weight loss and the goals and certainly in terms of the donations and everything. Really encourage people to to get involved and, and give what they can. Obviously, you've just heard a pretty impassioned uh, Big Burge there or, you know, maybe we'll call you Medium Burge soon. Who knows? No, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. <laughs> But no, we've we've uh, we've heard from a very impassioned Burge there talking about all the great things um, that you know he's trying to raise this money for, and obviously I echo that East Cheshire Hospice do do a phenomenal job in in the care that they provide. So I really encourage people to get involved with the Pounds for Pounds challenge. And um, Carl, just to reiterate, what happens if you don't meet this five pounds in five days? I will double from my own pocket. Ugh, uh, I will double any level of donation so if we raise two thousand pounds and i don't i don't lose um five pounds this week i will have to donate two thousand pounds the pressure is on mate um and as i say you know really congratulate you and everything you are trying to achieve i know you've got a wee way to go so it's not quite final pat on the back and and indeed you know i'm hopefully you'll be continuing this journey long past the pounds for pounds challenge and, um, you know, I'm sure everyone's behind you um, and looking forward to, you know, hearing the, the final results and indeed your next journey in uh, the next stage of your journey. Um, now, obviously, getting that update out of the way and uh, moving on to, to some other cricket things, we were just discussing a few amusing stories, as I said, over the years with, uh, you know, Flinty and Longshore having uh, having spent uh, a few sort of seasons captaining both of them at times and unleashing Chris Flint experiments and Adam Longshore short pitch bowling experiments. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Messrs Flint and Longshore? Uh, dumb and dumber. Uh, yeah, it's it's unreal. I mean, Flinty is a phenomenal athlete. He's, he's like me. He's rubbish, but he's passionate and I like it. I've seen him get bowled by a full toss, playing a sweep and he got bowled over his shoulder. It's without question the most hilarious dismissal I've ever seen. I have just I, usually as a captain you'd be mad, but you, how can you be mad when you've just seen that? It's like what? His decorum at times requires restraining. I think there was a, a game at Chester where I had to pretend to tell him off for saying something untoward towards one of the umpires. To be fair, the umpire was a treen, and he probably deserved it because. Well, he's a treen. I had to, you know, I had to show a bit of a captaincy democracy. Yes, yes, you're right, Stephen. Yes, Christopher. Don't you call him a whatever you called him? Yeah, that's right. And then Longshaw, believe it or not, once upon a time was a very, very decent bowler. Left arm, you know, just there and thereabouts. Always a challenge. And then nobody. I don't know what happened. He's he's currently still continuing with a decade long case of the yips. He, he just lost it overnight. He's with, without question, Longshaw's one of the best fielders and probably one of the ultimate club men, to be fair to him. He's, he's a good he's a good lad. I mean, he's got no chat. If if you said to somebody, can you name the human form of beige or magnolia? I think it'd either be Adam Longshore or Rick Huff. And this is why we got the big man on. You, you very seldom fail to deliver in, in some form of uh, revelationary comments, Burge. Without being t- I don't want to be too controversial, you know me. Before we head towards the end of the podcast, there is one final story and incident that's uh, that's been mentioned. Obviously, Longshore, I, I know you were there. I'm not sure if you were there for this, Flinty. There's uh, there's a bit of a story involving a catch 
that Carl effected. Uh, I wouldn't say he took. Um, Longshore, I know this is one of your sort of prized cricketing memories. Do you, do you want to set the scene for this and we'll bring Carl, Carl in on it? Um, yeah, I think sort of away game at Oxton. Anyone who knows Oxton, sort of a bit of a, a postage stamp ground. Not much really going on over there. But yeah, I think we were field, in the field. Burgess throwing me the ball and going, right, let's grab us a wicket. Um, and as was sort of quite commonplace, sort of stuck himself in at short leg. And I've run in and as normal, I've got no idea what's come out of my hand. It's just <laughs> hit the middle of the pitch somewhere roughly. And the bloke's rocked onto the back foot and gone to absolutely moo it over the houses. And somehow he's, he's not really connected with it. And it's sort of landed in Burgess' armpit. And everyone's turned around and looked at the boundary and gone, where's the ball? And their blokes are trying to fish it off the boundary and that sort of thing. And next minute, Burgess just lifts his arm up, pulls the ball out and goes, how's that one? Out you go. I'm not going to lie, Burge. I'm quite happy to have that as an extra wicket on the column. I think I think you'll find he absolutely cracked it. The noise came clean off the middle, and it was unbelievable. Let's 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 give some truth to the story. Let's not downplay it. He cracked that. He's absolutely mulled it. Burge, do not let the truth get in the way of a good story. When have I ever done that, <laughs> Flinty? Were you playing in this game? No, I don't think I was. Oh, I I, I wish I'd been there. But um, yeah, you you basically pulled. The, the way the story goes, you know, these things get changed over the years. You pulled this ball out of your, your armpit um, and, and everyone's looking around for the ball and, and there you are. Yeah. How's that one? Big You're T- out. I see uh, the league's leading run scorer at that point as well. Um, I think he was, if I remember rightly, because I remember the, the last thing Froggy said to me before I left, you know, Froggy being the ultimate team, man, don't let him get too many runs. I want to finish top of the league averages. Yeah, let's, let's not worry about the result, Frog. Yeah, let's just make sure... He gets a duck egg. But uh, yeah, I think it was, oh, I can't his name McKnight or something. He'd, uh, he'd, he'd scored a few. And yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, if Flinty had been playing, Longshaw wouldn't have been bowling. That's how desperate I was not to, that's how desperate I never was to bowl Longshaw, but needs must. So would you say with your, uh, you know, your captain's hat on here, Burge, would you say that Flinty is the, the, the more capable bowler in your estimation? Been a while. Nowadays, oh my God, this is horrible. This is like saying who's a better bowler than me or Curly Moores. Oh, Lord. Um, I'd hate to say, Yeah. Like, Flinty's a one and a half out of ten and Longers is a one. What, what do you want? <laughs> That's all I've got for you there, to be honest with you. Well, Carl, you've come on. Um, I know you said that's all you've got for us. You, you've had more than a little bit for us. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to quickly come on. Throw a bit of uh, bit of shade out and, and indeed give us a good update. And as I say, you know, going back to it, really, really encourage people to get involved and, and they can find you on Just Giving. You've got a page on Facebook. There'll be a link in the bottom of this podcast if you do want to uh, get, get some money over and donate to Carl's Great Cause. So for now, Burge, the big man, thanks very much. We'll speak soon. And uh, any parting words from Flinty or Longshore before Carl rides off into the sunset? Just a good luck with the... Uh five pounds this week mate i'm sure you can do it yes Lenty. thank yeah. you good luck with the challenge Birgie. look forward to seeing you on the field again cheers long long appreciate it cheers Birge. cheers my love take care mate now before we wrap up the podcast uh long as you have been doing some fantastic work for the club with your coaching and i just want to give you the opportunity to kind of tell people what you've been up to um where people can get involved and contact you and kind of what you are offering to to uh, people around the club with your coaching yeah, so it's I kind of all just came out of lockdown, really. I think it was a way for me to, to keep myself busy, sort of give back to, 
to the juniors at the club and that sort of thing. But yeah, I sort of started my own little business, sort of AL coaching, I called it, quite sort of bland and playing a bit like me, I suppose. But yeah, it was just sort of one-to-one sessions, group sessions and that sort of thing. But yeah, if people want to sort of get in contact, they're looking for a little bit of sort of coaching over the summer or you know, whenever it may be, then drop me an email, adamlongstra at gmail.com. And yeah, just, you know, doing what I do and uh, hopefully making some cricketers at Mark that are slightly better than I am. Now, uh, obviously, you mentioned sort of a little bit of the, the season ahead. And obviously, we're very hopeful about the governmental uh, announcement that's coming tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday. And um, yeah, then we'll, we'll be getting some announcements from the ECB and, and hopefully the Cheshire Cricket Leagues and the Pyramid and all that sort of stuff. But um, assuming we're getting a, a full season in, which which we hope we will do long as um, any aims sort of for the season for yourself and indeed, um, you know, for any of the juniors that you might be coaching? I think for myself, it's sort of just, you know, carry on doing what I do and just have a bit of a laugh on a Saturday. At the end of the day, you know, I think my aspirations of trying to score loads of runs or take loads of wickets or whatever uh, uh, sort of a bit in the background now. And I think, you know, as long as you can turn up, have a laugh with your mates and enjoy it at the end of the day, then that's the, the most successful thing um, about your Saturday. But I think, you know, maybe score a few more runs than last year, potentially score a few more runs than Chris does this year. And yeah, just have a laugh on Saturday, to be honest, Miles. Fantastic. And Flinty, what about some aims for the season for yourself? Uh, I think uh, you you share these aims. Potentially winning the league is definitely, for the threes, is a, is a good aim to go for. Last season, I was, I was up and down in between twos and threes a lot, playing T20. So hopefully... I hope just like the same format, really. Just playing the same format, get a run of games under my belt. Just get myself in some good form that I found the previous year, but just couldn't get it last year. So get, score some runs, have, like, have, have a few beers with mates. Hopefully, restrictions halfway through the season were gone, so back to some normality. Uh, just so we can all enjoy ourselves and like, have a few beers after the game. Fantastic. Chaps, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Any final remarks before we wrap up the podcast? Firstly, Longers? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to you, Miles. I think a lot of people have sort of, you know, got on board with the podcast. And for me, it's fantastic listening to all the stories. You know, I think we forget about a lot of the games that we've played and that sort of thing. And I think a forum like this definitely helps us to, you know, get a few mates together, have a bit of a laugh. And I think, yeah, at the end of the day, supporting everyone as much as possible is definitely the way forward. So thank you for putting this together. That's very uh, very kind of you to say, Longshore. It's a, it's a great pleasure to have you on. And uh, Flinty, any final remarks? Yeah, just again, thanking you, mate, for the podcast. It's kept people going. And hopefully see you week commencing the 29th for some training. Probably be freezing cold with broken fingers, but yeah, that's why we play cricket. Well, if John Birchall is hitting those balls up in the air like he did last year, you will find me absolutely nowhere near any form of a fielding drill. That's what I can tell you. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Excellent. Chaps, thanks so much. We'll speak to you soon and uh, look forward to getting this great podcast out to everyone to enjoy. Cheers, Miles. Cheers, Milo.